The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome to another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here with my boy Al. How's it going, man? Your boy Al is doing good, Steve. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So this is the second uh, episode in our series that we're doing on the importance of backstory and and, and backgrounds. And uh, last week, if you remember, we talked about really honing in on the fiction angle. And we, we, mm-hmm. we heard a lot from Alex about how backstory was important. And we even saw a pretty cool specific example of how backstory um, was important in in its absence. Um, and so it's it's kind of like you got to be strategic about this sort of thing. Now, something that we didn't get to talk about, which me and Alex were, were kind of talking about before we started recording this one, is last week was actually our 20th episode. Yes. So, so congratulations to us and to- Golf clap. And golf to clap. every single person that's listened to all 20 episodes. There's got to be one of you out there. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's so fantastic. That's so, awesome. Uh, so cool. You know, most podcasts pod fade. That's the, the term that they, they call it. Most of them pod fade after seven episodes. So, hmm. you know, we, we have doubled the lifespan and expectancy of many episodes of many podcasts. That's so. excellent. And we're just getting started every week when Steve and I, the challenge we have on picking an episode is not that we're trying to scrounge up something is that there's so many topics to talk about. Yeah. That we're just, we have to eventually pick one. <laughs> Yeah, we're trying to strip them back so that yeah, we don't yeah, exactly. go, keep going for two hours, you know, because yeah. so, you can get so specific. So um, so it's good. Sweet. So yeah, should so, we dive right in? Yeah. So this week, again, as Steve said, focusing more on the marketing side of things, uh, which means uh, it's kind of Steve's go-to. But um, again, I, I just love learning from you and just uh, hearing everything having to do with that. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, so let's dive right in, and and you can kind of interject wherever uh, yep. wherever you please. So in in marketing, there are really two main types of backstory. Now, a couple episodes ago, we did we, we were talking about stories that we don't like, and if you heard that episode, well, first of all, if you didn't, mm. go back and listen to it. Mm. If you did hear that episode, one of the things that I brought up is that when people when companies specifically tell their backstory or their origin story, um, it, it, sometimes it can be kind of boring. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna touch tonight a little bit more on why that is and how to avoid it. Now, I do feel like I should say too, if you feel like okay, this is a marketing focused one, I can just skip this. Uh, number one, you can do what you want to. I won't. <laughs> We live in America, dang it. (laughs) Right? We live in America. And and I believe that you have the right to skip this episode. But I will say, like, and if you're still with us, hang on a little bit here. Because Mm -hmm. even even a, like, fiction writers, if you're listening to this podcast as a total fiction writing nerd, like, 
If you plan on ever doing anything with that one day, you're going to have to market it. So listen to what I'm saying, because I promise there's something here that you will be able to, to use. Okay, so there are really two main types of backstory when it comes to the, the marketing of a, of a business or a brand or, or whatever. And that is your origin story and your epiphany story. Now, an origin story is, is this is where it can very easily be confused with, um, you know, well, my uncle started the company in the 1930s and this, that, and the other thing. Um, while that may be a sort of origin story, it doesn't serve the sale. And I, I want you to sort of just put a pin in that for a minute. We're going to come back to it a little later. But hmm. before we get there, I do want to say that an origin story is a very important thing, but it's important that you tell it in such a way that it actually is meaningful to a, uh, to a customer, to somebody who could potentially use your product or your service. So what might that look like? Well, I kind of put some examples down um, of just what, what maybe a good origin story looks like and then a bad origin story looks like, or at least how they, how they get started and what sort of you know, trajectory they, they go down. So a good origin story, to be vague about it, and then maybe we can get more specific in a minute, to be vague would be something like this. You know, years ago, I was in this particular situation, had this particular problem, and heard about whatever, heard about a potential solution, or I heard about a person who experienced something similar and did something to um, pique their interest. So uh, an example in, in, my, uh, in my life. So w when somebody says, tell your origin story, obviously, like we're not talking about, well, my mommy and my daddy loved each other very much. You know, we're not zooming <laughs> all the way back out to the beginning of your life. But what you're typically going to be talking about is how you got into and how you developed a love or a passion or whatever that led you into the thing that you're doing. So, Alex, you know, as a writer, if you were to tell the origin story of you being a, a, a writer, you know, my guess is that. And I could be wrong about this, but my guess is that it probably would start with the fact that your dad and you used to like share lots of stories back and forth, you know, about about different things. And maybe it would be different than that. Um, but the point is, is that there's usually some something that happened in your life that you can sort of look back to and say, yeah, this is this is sort of the reason why I I went into the sort of field that I that I did. You know, for me. If I were to tell my origin story about getting into web design, I would tell the story about how I used to work in a recording studio. And one of the things that we would do is my, my buddy who worked in the studio with me, he was good at web design. And to sort of upsell our customers, he would, uh, well, we would, we would sell them a website. And then he would actually design and code the website and I would write the content for it. And so that's how I first started to get into, you know, really writing and website design. Now, if I was telling it for a specific purpose of trying to do a sale or something like that, um, I would be a little bit more elaborate about the, right. about, about the story. But just to give you guys listening a quick sketch, that's where I would go um, to talk about my origin story because it's directly relevant to how I got into the thing. And now, so the question is of importance, right? Like what, what does this mean? What does this actually do? 
Well, a lot of what it does is just create a way of sort of identifying you with the person that you are, that you're speaking to. Now, what you're selling and all, like, that's going to um, totally depend on, you know, how you frame the story will totally depend on what you're trying to accomplish with it, who you're trying to identify with or whatever. But people are very interested to know what it is that, that got you into the thing that they're now looking to you for expertise on. And it's maybe a little bit easier to um, see how this works if what you're selling is information, you know, coaching or consulting or a course or something like that. But I do think it works for like, you know, services-based stuff and all of that uh, as well. Um, now, a, a bad example of this would be sort of the classic, well, years ago, my uncle Bob founded this company in 1977 and we, there was, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And, <laughs> and he had to walk uphill in the snow both ways just to get to the court. You know, that those, what the, the problem with that is it's a level of detail, uh, that it doesn't really do anything for the customer. It doesn't really create you know, respect, it doesn't really, other than longevity, I mean, maybe in that sense, but it doesn't really create any sort of specific feeling or doesn't really serve any sort of, uh, you know, purpose um, to go down that road. So typically what you're going to do is prune the story down and, you know, in writing this, you know, whether fiction or nonfiction, it all goes through a process of revision and pruning. And a lot of times the thing that makes a story better is not what all you can add to it, but what you can take away and still retain the core of the, of the message. And so by learning how to sort of hone and refine your stories towards, um, towards something that is useful for your client or your customer, uh, typically that's going to be the best way to go. So I'll stop there. If you, if you have any questions or any thoughts on, or, or reflections on, on that so far. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, I was thinking about how excited, at least I personally get about origin stories as they relate to fictional, specifically movies. Um, although there are some fictional books um, that I like talk about origin stories. One of them, Ari Salvatore wrote about um, the Legend of Dritz series. I think that was what the first series was called uh, with the backstory for him uh, or origin story. But um so, for instance, uh, it seems like one of the more important things is really focusing on making that personal connection. Um, so rather saying this company was founded by this, by my great uncle so-and-so, and this happened, this happened. Instead, it's, hey, this is what happened to me, and this is how I came to this. It's like watching, like, Batman Begins or any of, like, uh, like X-Men Origins Wolverine or something like that, where some of those origin stories can get some con can get convoluted with like other characters stepping in or other stuff that doesn't need to be when really those origin stories, um, we just want to know what's going on with the origin of that character. It seems like the same is really true for on the marketing as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, I was just thinking as you said that of uh, what would be a great example of this in a film that we could point to. And I think it might be something like Iron Man. Um, okay. So like we all, we, everybody kind of like gets, okay, Iron Man is this person. So the first Iron Man movie now, I, okay. If you're like a hardcore and you're into the comics and all, <laughs> just ignore me for a second. Cause I don't, Plug your ears. I don't know anything about that stuff. I'm just saying, I'm just going to look at the first Iron Man movie from like 2007. And based on that, um, you see 
the details that that matter in in mm. you have the level of fidelity there that that makes sense to give you exactly what you need to know for how Iron Man became Iron Man. So in that sense, you get the backstory mm. of Iron Man, but you don't get when you know Howard Stark originally founded the company. Mm. You don't get why he founded the company. Now, some of that stuff, if you're a real nerd, you can pick up in bits and pieces mm. from different things by watching the different MCU things, especially watching YouTube things that talk about mm. you know what what used to go on in the comics. And uh, of course, if you're a comic nerd, you can get all of that extra stuff, those extra levels of fidelity if you want them. Um, but for the most part, for the math, you know, for for the audience who really cares about the experience in the movie. It was necessary for them to know why Iron Man is Iron Man, but that's all. Um, and so when we say origin story, it's really just a matter of thinking clearly about, okay, well, what is my origin story as it relates to this thing? And that way you can contextualize it for the people that you're trying to, you know, to either do business with or have an impact on, you know, whatever you see your marketing as uh, accomplishing. Yeah, excellent. Sweet. Okay, so this the second type of, of backstory, this can be confusing for people, so I want to try to be clear here. The second type of backstory is what we might call a epiphany story. And so this is the moment, what you're doing is you're, you're describing the moment when you had an epiphany as it relates specifically to your product or service. So um, if my backstory is... Uh, or my origin story, I should say, is all about how I used to design websites with my buddy who we were in the recording industry. And I, and I tell that, that backstory. My epiphany story, um, which I, I define here as the story that describes the specific challenge and resolution concerning the project or, or I, should, I meant to say the product, the product or service. Let me say that again. The story that describes the specific challenge and resolution concerning the product or the service. So if my, if my origin story was all about how, um, my, uh, I, I got into web design, my epiphany story would be more so about how I started selling web design services on my own. And so just to give like a, a you know, a very quick sketch of what that story looks like, is it would be, well, I decided to sort of strike out on my own in, in, in my company because I wanted to build a business on the side for my job. And I, I started building a Mac repair business. And then I realized that Macs never break. And so there wasn't really <laughs> a, a great market for the Mac repair business. And when they did break, half the time you had to go to Apple anyway. Mm-hmm. So I so I sort of leaned back on my on my roots and went with um you know, I got back into web design. Of course, I would make it a little bit more interesting than that. But that's my point is I, I had this epiphany that I could, um, and, and really where, where I use the epiphany story is uh, is a little bit different. I use it actually in the way that I charge because what happens is with most web design companies, they charge these extravagant upfront fees. And um, my, my sort of market that I work with right now, you know, can't really pay $10,000 upfront for a website or or whatever. And so what I decided to do was sell websites based on a subscription-based model because then I could be there for my customers from a month-to-month basis. They could pay basically one rate for the rest of their lives and always have an up-to-date website. And so I actually use it as a right as a sales tactic, but I, I describe the epiphany 
as being that, well, the challenge, so I said the challenge and resolution. So the challenge is, I know you don't have $10,000 to give me up front for a website, but you might have $300 a month or, or whatever. Um, and, and so I charge based on, on that basis. And then we get to work together for the long haul. You know, I'm only charging you $300 a month. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, go get my $10,000 and then coast you because that's what a lot of web designers do. In fact, a lot of clients come to me and that's, this is helpful context. I think a lot of clients come to me and to other reliable web designers because they've been ghosted by others. Like literally they will just disappear off the face of the planet. Um, it's even happened to me with subcontractors, two of them now mm -hmm. where they just, they just disappear one day. Um, and it's kind of weird, but it happens. And so I, I basically, it's part of my sales pitch that I built my business fundamentally, even in the way that we charge all around the fact that I'm not going anywhere. I want to be here with you for the long haul because I want to continue to get paid. Uh, and you want to continue to experience great service. So you see what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm using my, the story about how I structure my entire business to actually, um, use that as a, as a sales, uh, mechanism. Another example here that I wrote down is one of my favorite companies, uh, Basecamp. So Basecamp actually makes the the uh, project management software that uh, that I use called Basecamp. And their epiphany story is that they were a web design company. So they started in like 1999, and about 2003, 2004, uh, you know, they they were doing some pretty big projects, and there really wasn't you know a good solution back then for how to keep everything in one place and manage projects well and invite clients in, into that experience and everything. And, you know, things would get lost in email just like they do today. It was even worse, you know, back then because you didn't have as many tools to organize it well. Mm. And so they needed a solution to manage projects in one place and sort of maintain a central source of truth. So they developed this, this product called, called Basecamp. And you know, they sort of set a goal for it that if it was doing like 5K a month at the end of a year, they would be happy with it. It turns out that by the end of like month three, they were already doing, you know, 5K a, a month. And it was like, oh, this is pretty crazy. And then within like, within three years, they had like 100,000 users, et cetera. And so it just absolutely took off and it became their entire business. They got out of client services and, and whatever. And I, the reason I can recite that to you like that is because I have heard their CEO now tell this this epiphany story probably hundreds of times and because he shares it often and it gets people invested emotionally uh, in the, in the product because what he's able to do is then share, look, we were having these struggles and then the people are nodding their heads and go, yeah, I have that struggle now and it's 2022. And this is why they, they get thousands and thousands and thousands of new user signups on a regular basis. And, you know, they're a pretty lean company. They have like 50 some employees and, um, I think over 15 million active accounts on the, on the wow. Hmm. Um, I mean, uh, not necessarily paying subscribers that's in the yeah. hundreds of, of right. thousands, but like, as far as people with Basecamp mm -hmm. accounts, you know, like over 15 million and, uh, and, and the company is, is, you know, like, like less than 55 people. <clears throat> so, um, so it's just interesting. They have interesting things to say, interesting stories to share from their actual, you know, life and time in business. And so these sorts of things can be used to identify or to help identify potential clients, customers, you know, patients, students, whatever business you're in, it can sort of help them to identify um, with you as long as you're wielding these tools well. So you know what's interesting, um, just kind of me thinking, I've heard also a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I don't know how to categorize it. I wouldn't say it's an origin story. I guess it could be 
or maybe an epiphany story, but you hear stories of every once in a while, someone will just kind of stumble upon a solution. Like I was cooking this one day and I realized, you know, those are, those always give me the moments of, huh, that's interesting that they did that. And usually I wish that that would have happened to me because then I could be making a good product. But really the stories that you're talking about where I think that they're much more interesting and very um, much set up the, um, I guess, excitement and enthusiasm about a product or service or person is when you really have that clear definement of this person, I failed at this. I sunk to the bottom here and I tried my best and it failed. And then here is how I ultimately overcame it to where I am now. Overall, that has the, at least in my opinion, the more the more oomph and the better impact uh, on people. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And and there is a uh, another sort of dynamic for this sort of thing is, um, it so business in 2022 sort of like, you know, it just kind of assumes that you are taking s- some sort of, of leadership um, in this, in the sale um, or in the, um, in the, in your, in your positioning, right? So you're, you're, you're formulating what some call like an attractive character. And part of this is the attractive character has an identity. And I'm not going to, you know, remember them all. There's like four. But um, one of those, for example, is the reluctant hero. So the reluctant hero is somebody who um, basically they didn't intend to set out and to be any sort of thought leader or whatever, but they sort of stumbled upon a solution and feel compelled, almost like a higher calling or something. Like the, it's their mission now. Like they have to share about this or they have to tell about this transformation or they have to do whatever to, you know, to lead the way. Another identity just to kind of go along with that is the reporter, right? So uh, there are people who have built entire businesses off of nothing, but basically being the person who um, sort of comes from it as I'm on an exploration, I'm on a journey, and I want to bring to you the best experts. Um, And, 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 you know, like, so a, a very popular name who uh, does this sort of thing is, uh, well, I was going to say Tim Ferriss, which is true, but maybe even a more popular one, uh, would be Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is a, is a, is fundamentally a reporter. Yes. He's a personality of his own. And he's even said about how he identifies most as a comedian, but most people don't see Joe Rogan as Joe Rogan, the comedian. They see Joe Rogan, the interesting guy who brings on people on his podcast that share interesting things. Right. Um, so he's very much has that reporter identity. He's not the the leader of a movement with great new ideas or whatever, he brings other people's great ideas um, to, you know, to, to the forefront and exposes them um, in a good way. So there's different identities like that that you can take. And a lot of times those will, you know, how you go about that will factor into the way that you tell your story. So whether you're the leader or the reporter or, you know, the reluctant hero or whatever. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are really all great examples. Yeah. Interesting. For sure. So to kind of start uh, winding down a little bit here, um, I, I want to bring everything back to what I call a, a controlling question. And, and so by controlling question, I mean like, you know, w- what is the one question that you could ask that sort of helps contextualize th- what you're doing? Um, and, and that would be this for for this particular thing. Do your stories serve the sale? Okay. So does your story about how Uncle Bob founded the company serve the sale? Mm. Well, I would say in most cases, no. Now. If you're Betty Crocker or something, and the entire point is how, like, your mama created, you know, started the company because she stumbled upon some recipe and secret ingredients and this, that, and the other, you know, there are times when, when 
though that level of detail in a story is going to happen to coincide with important details in the origin story. Yep. Most of the time, though, that's not the case. And so by asking the question of your story, does this serve the sale? And by the way, I think we can unashamedly um, ask that question because we're in, if you're in business, you're in it to make money. If you're not making money, then you're doing bad at business and you should stop. Like that's business is about, you know, fundamentally about being profitable, making money. Um, and so it, it, if your story serves the sale or serves the message, serves the impact, whatever you're trying to accomplish with it, then you're on the right path. If it doesn't, then it's probably just incidental and boring uh, to people um, more than it is um, useful. And, and so two quick examples from my business are the pastor story um, and uh, developing my marketing program, which I call Crest. And so the quick version of each of those is um, when people, one of, the, one of the ways that I try to help people understand why I charge monthly for websites is because when I first started doing website design and I, I didn't charge monthly for it, it was just flat fee or, or whatever. Um, there was a particular example where a pastor paid for a website for his church. We built a website for him. He never did anything with it. We didn't charge maintenance. We never updated it or anything. And it got hacked by, uh, uh, you know, it got hacked. It got redirected as a porn site. And Google basically labeled it as a uh, unsafe, you know, malicious site. And it redirected to a, a porn website. And it was just all kinds of stuff that we had to go through. And so um, people obviously don't want their business websites to be redirecting towards porn sites. And so I sort of used that story to, to paint the picture of what it could be like if we were to just charge them a bunch of money and then they never touched the website versus if we just from the very beginning uh, had that that relationship where we constantly maintained the website and made sure it was good to go and wasn't falling apart over time. And, and so notice that story serves the sale. I tell that story because it helps people to nod their head and sort of say, oh, okay, well, I, I can see why I would want him to be doing my website instead of somebody else because somebody else might just hang me out to dry. Uh, and I don't want that to happen. So I use that story to serve the sale. A second quick example would be developing my marketing program, Crest. Well. You know, when I'm when I'm selling this, and by the way, this is a, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's not like a high, high, high ticket item, but it's fairly high ticket. I mean, most of the customers that I serve can't afford this in in their business, and so I have I have three right now clients who who can, um, and who are on these these plans with me. But so what I mean, you know, what I'm getting at is I I don't just want to, you know, when I'm selling this sort of thing, I don't just kind of want to be like, yep, this is the price. And then nothing else. So I, I, I contextualize. I give them some backstory. And what I tell them is sort of like how with the pastor story and stuff, I got sick of seeing people get, you know, ghosted on their websites and they didn't have good maintenance or whatever. The story that I use to, uh, to get buy-in from my marketing customers is, look, I've been doing website design for, for a long time. And the biggest frustration with me is even though I would manage their websites for them, I would keep them updated or whatever, the biggest frustration is people kept coming back to me like, how do I get traffic to this thing? How do I actually market my business? How do I upload blog posts? How do I do this? How do I do that? And, and I, I would even have consulting calls with them and uh, to tell them how to do this stuff totally for free because it wasn't included and they would still never do it. And so here we are a few years later, we have a great website. It's not redirecting to a porn site. It's not hacked, but it's just sitting there with no activity. And that's a waste of money. And so what I decided to do was create a service where you could pay me some more money, 
um, but you would actually build a business, not just a pretty website, um, by our working together. And so then I, I can go from there. But that's sort that's sort of the epiphany um, of of me actually taking the next step and and creating these marketing programs. And I get I get that sort of emotional buy in. So it's not purely about logic. It's not just oh this is a good business decision. I want that there too. But about 50% of buyers make a purchase based on emotion in no, almost no matter what you're selling. And so most people aren't even touching the emotional thing at all. Whereas I want to lead with that. I want people to buy into the emotional part of the story because that's what will motivate people to buy. People buy mostly based on emotion and then they justify with mm -hmm. logic. They don't purchase based on logic. Now some do, but most do not. Um, so I want to be sure to be speaking to the emotional and how do you get to people's emotions? with stories so to kind of wrap it up here you know the way that i i would put it is wherever possible a lesson that you're trying to teach somebody or a call to action these sorts of things should always be contextualized with a story and just to bring it back to even teaching a lot of times it's hard to even teach somebody something if all you're doing is giving them bare facts hey this is how this is this is how this is this is how this is what you want to do and this is something i learned from russell brunson one of my marketing heroes is if you tell a story of how you learned the the lesson or earned the right to share the lesson with them, then they have buy-in. Then they understand what it took for you to go through and get this. Um, practical example for this audience is Brandon Sanderson. I have heard him now multiple times tell the story, and I've heard you repeat the story of how he submitted how many manuscripts um, before um, – uh, was it 12? Did he write 12? It was 10, it was 10 or 10, 11 or 12, something like that. Yeah, 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 10 or 12 books before he ever got a deal. Um, Michael Hyatt, one of the greatest leaders of the modern era in personal development, productivity training, and things like that, literally got his start in the book publishing industry, is a super prolific writer. His first real full market you know, book that he was trying to, to submit to publishers, graded. Let me tell you, I mean, this is a guy who literally has created training on how to get into the book publishing industry. And get this, he was the CEO of Thomas Nelson Book Publishers. For his first book called Platform, Get Noticed in a Noisy World, it was a huge book, smashing success, New York Times bestseller. He submitted it to 29 publishers that all said no before wow. the 30th one wow. said Yes. Now, when he's telling, so get this, he has a, a course that you can buy, or at least he used to, on, I think it was literally called Get Published. It's on how to get published. Now, he could have just immediately started launching in with step one, but there would be no buy-in. It would be like, oh, whatever. This is probably just one of a thousand ways, you know, or whatever. But when this guy tells his story of, like you said, failure, when he tells his story of, look, I got, I, I used to work in this industry and I got rejected 29 times. So I empathize with you. I sympathize with you. But look, here's here's what that experience taught me. And now I want to share it with you. At that point, you're going, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm going to listen to this guy because he's gone through the sort of rejection that I would like to avoid. And he might be able to tell me how to avoid it. So you can see how contextualizing it and setting it up with a story can honestly just take what you're teaching or trying to sell or whatever uh, completely to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really don't have anything to add to that. I just love how Perfect. every single time uh, when it comes to the marketing and then it really applies to any area of your life is that call to action, whether it's an internal something for yourself. If you yeah. like for me, if I want, if I set a goal to what I wanted to create for my art, for my video game, then like I need to, I need to action it out. Like I need to 
internally call myself to action on it and not just say, oh, wow, that'd be cool if I do this. And that's so exciting that I could do that. You actually have to do it. And the same when you're talking to, yeah. to people, if it's an interview, you want to try to get hired somewhere, try to force them to make that call of action to make them really want to hire you. Yeah. And it, it's right. the same in that's every right. aspect of life, that's right? you know? Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Because why should right? Why should why should an employer hire you over anyone else? Um, my and yeah, it's like if you could tell better stories, you almost don't even need to be as skilled. You almost just need to be a better storyteller, and you can you can go pretty far um, in life. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, yeah, st stories are such a huge way because people can relate. So through the interview processes that I've been going to, pretty much no matter what question was ever asked of me. Um, even if it was kind of more or less a factual one, I would always say, well, let me give you an example of something that recently happened and you tell a yeah. story and that yeah. it's the best way to, to sure. answer someone's question. Stories are awesome. It's a story world, man. It, it's a story world out there. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, so now off to our stories of the week. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll keep mine first. off first. Yeah. So, uh, the Avatar 2 trailer, or at least the first kind of teaser trailer dropped this past week, and I am yeah. really excited. Now, uh, the first one, when I watched it, came out in 09, it was my senior year of high school, and I watched it with my dad, and we were just absolutely, like, blown away by it. It's funny, because now that I've watched it a few times, I do see that this, the story, uh, the story is good. It's not great. It's a, it's a good story. Right. Um, but... Honestly, that's not why I watch it. I watch it because the world that James Cameron created is amazing. And yeah. I really want to be dropped into that world again and see what he's created and um, see the interaction of like uh, um, the different species on the planet. And uh, I think and as long as the story is at least good again, I know I'm going to love it and just be blown away um, by it again. So really excited about it. It's called The Way of Water. I think it releases December 16th. And uh I think it's going to smash a bunch of records too in the box office without a doubt. And, uh, just, uh, just really excited about it. So uh, I'm, I'm really pumped about it. Yeah. I'm excited about it too. This should be like super duper exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember the, all the hype and hysteria that came out around it. And, um, I, I mean, James Cameron just undeniably does fantastic work. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Sweet. So mine's pretty simple this time. Um, it's just, you know, how many job descriptions have you guys read? I mean, you know, I've read just just thousands of job descriptions over the years for different things, and I'm just so bored by them. They all sound the same for the yep. most part. You know, they're all really boring corporate speak or whatever. And Basecamp, who I actually mentioned earlier in this episode, they're, um, you know, they're, they're the guys who founded that company and just the company as a whole. They're absolute heroes of mine. Um, I wouldn't be able to run my company without the tool, uh, Basecamp. And so uh, I just really appreciate them. And today they put out a, um, a job post for, actually I was telling Alex, you know, I love owning my business, but they put out a, a, a job post for what is probably my dream job for my dream company ever. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, uh, it's fascinating. It, it reads like no other uh, job post <laughs> frankly, um, that I have ever read. And um, it's got, it reads kind of like a blog post. It's got clear, simple headlines, um, you know, dis description about the work, about you, benefits and compensation, what to expect and how to apply. It's like, just immediately, it's just, I don't know, it's just so, it's just so simple and clear the way it's, it's laid out. Um, so I, I had three description or three um, just sort of observations about it that I, I liked and I thought I would share. And maybe we can, I mean, I don't know if it's 
you know, I was gonna say we could put the link out to it, but that might go away, you know, after a while. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you probably would. Yeah, you know, it probably wouldn't be great to, um, to do that. So you'll just kind of have to take my word for it. But the three things that I loved about it are number one, that it's clear, simple, and descriptive, right? So it's just, it's just fundamentally great writing, just clear, simple, and descriptive. The second is that it reads like a blog post. So, so many of these are just like, I don't know, they give you those unnecessary details about the It's company. bullet point responsibilities. It's, and the yeah, it's, it's all, yeah. it sounds like, like yeah, I don't want to, yeah, yuck, right? This was not, it, not like that. It reads like a blog post. Mm -hmm. Super easy to read, short sentences, and uh, very, very concise in what they, you know, you, nothing more than you need to know and nothing less than you need to know. Um, and then the last point about it that I love is it, it, it just, it feels like a real human being wrote it. You know, it just, it just feels mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, this is like, this isn't some lawyer or like nobody's gone over this a billion times with some sort of comb and like stripped it of all its, you know, character. Like it's, it looks, yeah, like a human being wrote this thing. Mm -hmm. There's a real human being on the other end of the keyboard who said, if this is the job, like, here's the job, here's what you should be about. Here's what we're about. And if you want the company, it's going to be like freaking great and we're going to work together and we're going to you know whatever and so i don't know i just thought it was awesome clear the, simple and descriptive reads like a blog post and it feels like a real human wrote it the two great sections there are about you and benefits and compensation i think those are the two obviously yep. the other stuff is important too but the about you is great because even though you might have the requirements i've been i have not applied or steered clear of looking at jobs because the about you just doesn't fit what i'm about and it's a great way to have candidate to screen for candidates by not even having them apply if they don't fit what yeah. you're looking for. <laughs> and then the benefits and compensation section, I don't know what detail they go to that, but um, I hate, I absolutely hate the way that it's a weird like maneuver where you're trying to hire a candidate, the candidate's trying to find a job to work for, and it's so secretive of how much the final pay is going to be and I what know. what exactly are the benefits. And it's like, dude, like it, it pisses me off to no end. It's like, hey, just like be honest like that way. And that saves you time well from people not being disappointed or rejecting the job at the end. Just say upfront, hey, here's what we're going to pay you. Um, Here's the benefits you're going to get. Here's, you know, the person we're looking for. And then so what do you want from us? And do you yeah. disagree with that? Are you looking for more pay, less pay? And just be upfront yep. with people. I just don't it, get it's, it. That was honestly my favorite part of this. So I do want to read. I think it's good because we've, we've, I do want to read just a little bit of this. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. Like, based on what you said, benefits, compensation, check out. This is the first line. You're going to love this. Because okay. I hate this. How many times have I read? Benefits and compensation are based on your experience. Yeah, you know, they're yes. they're they're dependent upon this, that, and the other thing, and they contextualize for a paragraph around things, and it's like so vague. And sometimes you're just like, no, like, is this worth my time applying? Does this right? Because sometimes it's just not a fit. Listen to this: the first line under benefits and compensation, the the first sentence, the salary for this position is a hundred thousand dollars. Boom, boom, right there. That's you, you know you're going to get paid that, right? We're a fully remote company, and this is a remote job. Um, they give you a link. They have their employee handbook is public. It says our benefits support a life well lived away from work, ample time off, and all the resources you need to support you in doing the best work of your career. Our handbook has detailed information about the benefits we offer, and that's a link. You just go right out and you just go mm -hmm. look, legit just look at the employee benefits. Um, and I do want to read the full about you section. It's two paragraphs. And yeah, it's absolutely. Just, I think it's just. I think it's just. No, it's a good example. Yeah, right. let's hear it. Because this is what so, we talk about all the time is the kind of person you are and, you know, presenting yourself. And 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so listen to this. So it says this. Um, again, the the role, the title of the role is visual storyteller. So it involves video work and stuff. So here's what it says about you. You should be adept at video production. You should have a knack for explaining things clearly. You should be a great writer. You should be good at avoiding long, arduous setups and know how to get to the point with just enough supporting material so everything makes sense. You should be good on the camera yourself, and you should be enthusiastic without being cloying or annoying. Nothing cheesy, clickbaity, or formulaic. This isn't about picking up views or smashing like buttons. Mm. This is about showing off just how useful our projects are. As a manager of one, you'll drive shaped projects over six-week cycles. You'll set direction, take ownership, make calls, and see things through without a lot of oversight. You'll be able to communicate clearly with your colleagues, work across teams, and lend a helping hand when needed. That's yeah, perfect. You know what I'm saying? And, like, like, and, and so automatically, it, at least people who should be reading that section, that you either know if you're that person or you're not. And you know exactly. Yes. Not. Right away. Like right it, away, you know whether this is the job for you or not. And yeah. kind of like uh, to kind of just add to it, because we're going on on that route for, uh, that was loud. For, um, that was loud. yeah, motorcycle. So for, uh, um, it's not my goal, but my dream would be to um, own a very small um, video game development company, maybe like a half a dozen people, um, sure. something like that. And this is kind of the dream. And so if I ever got to that point, um, and looking for people to hire in certain positions, uh, I want to not one, not just follow that format, but instead of saying, Hey, what's your years of experience or what's your history? What did you take for college and courses instead? Like if I'm hiring a video game artist, I just want to say, show me the best art you've ever done. Show me what you do. And that's that, you know, it's, it's just like, get to the point. If you're looking for a good artist. Years of experience shouldn't matter. Someone who's done it for five years could be better than someone who's done it for 20 years. A company that they work for shouldn't matter. What really matters is getting down to it is what you need for the job. And obviously what this company needs for the job right now is someone who is comfortable working with the videos and with, you know, reporting to colleagues, taking ownership of themselves and just very clear cut and to the point. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I'm I'm screen capturing it. I'm I'm saving this job description as something to look back to, just as a, a, great as, a guide, as a guide for writing. Uh, Abs- absolutely. Even, <laughs> yeah, it's a job description, but also just like yeah, as a as a as a guide for writing. Like it's super, um, it's it's super great. So anyway, those are our stories of. The, wait, that was mine. You have a story of the week to share. I did my so, avatar too. You did. You did. I already did. That's right. Already yes. good. Good to go. All right, my friend. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. If you're enjoying it, please, like, call to action for this week is is tell three. Yes. Tell three other people about the podcast and get them listening. We are, I mean, Alex, we're talking about this. We are going to have this going up on YouTube. If it's not there already, very, very soon (laughs) on the YouTube component. We have been filming each of these. We have a super cool background and everything that nobody has gotten to see yet. uh, Oh, that's right. No one's even seen the background. And a lot of you don't even know our faces, so I know that might be a good or bad thing once you reveal it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. So, um, so you're right. Yeah, they might tune us out. Um, (laughs) anyway, so so uh, we're excited about that. Do be on the lookout for that. Promise it's coming. It's just it's it's my fault. Promise it's coming. Um, and uh, and we'll get it to you. So, uh, you guys take care, and um, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Have a great week.